Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of On the River of History. I'm your host, Jones Rommel, historian-in-residence. By 1.4 million years ago, Homo ergaster and Homo erectus were present throughout much of Africa and Eurasia, from present-day Indonesia to the Cape. In those times, the world was in the middle of a grand series of glaciations, the Quaternary Ice Ages, which began 2.58 million years ago. Since the start of the Quaternary, the Earth has undergone around 13 separate glacial periods, the times when the extent of the ice at the poles were at their greatest. These times originally averaged at around 40,000 years in length, and only later extended to 100,000 year spans. They were bordered by much shorter interglacial periods, the time when the polar ice extent was lowest. These times averaged some 10 to 15,000 years in length. As you can guess, interglacial periods were the warmer times, when global vegetation was highly productive and spread out over greater areas, with more tropical and temperate forests. Glacial periods were, of course, the colder times, and were characterized by extensive tundra, taiga, and grassland ecosystems, while most of the forests of the world remained refugia, save for the northern boreal forests of conifers that were highly adapted to the cool climate. The beginnings of the Ice Ages did not greatly affect Homo ergaster and erectus populations at first, they were great survivors as well as great communicators, if the best physiological evidence we have is correct in that they were speaking to each other at this time. The Acheulean stone toolkit was still in use, though its presence was more varied this time around. In Southeast Asia, Homo erectus was foraging for small animals in the rainforests, very likely using their wooden spears to catch them. There was also plenty of bamboo growing in those forests to use. In fact, not just here, but throughout East Asia were Homo erectus seemingly relying more and more on wooden tools rather than stone, with evidence that stone tools were more simplified for the purposes of shaping wood and bamboo. Further to the west, in Africa and Southwest Asia, Homo ergaster and erectus were gradually changing their Acheulean toolkit, fashioning their axes into more of a symmetrical teardrop shape. This is, perhaps, an extension of their aesthetic sense. And this has led some researchers, like psychologist Frederick Coolidge and anthropologist Thomas Wynne, to argue that most hand axes function as art pieces rather than as weapons, but this is debated. We do have good evidence of engraving done by Homo erectus at the site of Trinil in Java, Indonesia, the very same place where the original Java man fossils were found. Dated between 540,000 and 430,000 years ago was a mussel shell that had been opened by the puncturing of stones to the region where mussels kept the shell closed. All along the top of the shell surface is a row of etchings that appear almost in a zigzag pattern. While natural causes were offered, the researchers who described it were able to know that these engravings were intentional by the humans who used these shells. Whether this is a form of visual art or something else entirely, we cannot say, but it does match up with later finds by other human species who produced similar engravings. In any case, aesthetics and creativity were blossoming among humans. Human species like Homo erectus walked the Earth until 70,000 years ago. We now recognize that, within that great span of time, they shared the world with other humans, like the ancestors of Homo floresiensis, who may or may not have already been present in Southeast Asia for quite some time. There was also Homo naledi, a relatively new face in the field of paleoanthropology that inhabited Southern Africa. Having only been discovered in 2013 and described in 2015, Homo naledi is well known by a number of great remains, including several partial skulls. At first, physiological studies seemed to indicate that this human was more closely related to Homo habilis, another early Homo, based on the small cranial capacity and limb structures that resemble those of Australopithecines. But the most recent studies place Homo naledi with Homo ergaster and the other later Homo species. 
It lived relatively recently in time, with the currently known fossils dated between 335 and 236,000 years old. But they certainly were around much earlier than that. These fossils are still being studied, and new remains are being found as we speak, so there's always more to learn. Humans first made it into Europe around 1.4 million years ago, and fossil remains become really clear around 1.2 million years ago with the evolution of Homo ancestor. Just how the first humans got to Europe remains a debatable topic. We know that the current fossils we have show a presence of Homo ancestor around these southern regions, and as far up as present-day France and England. They could very well have migrated up from North Africa. The climate of the world during this time was one of fluctuation, and there were several times where the environments around the Mediterranean were warmer and able to support larger populations of mammals. So it is very likely that Homo ancestor was following many other species of animals that were making periodic movements into Europe from Africa and back. They were certainly making use of the available prey, and there is evidence of a great bison hunt that was found in Thuringia, Germany that may or may not be attributed to this species. They lacked the great axes of their relatives, and instead used smaller flaked stone tools. There is even some curious evidence that a Homo ancestor was practicing cannibalism. At the Grandolina site in Spain, a series of marks were found on the bones of a few individuals that matched the marks made when stone tools cut flesh off bones. That these remains were found scattered among piles of broken animal bones gives further credence to this idea, but we have no way of knowing what kind of context this cannibalism was practiced. Among human societies in later times, the practice of consuming human flesh was associated with rituals, celebration of war victories, and the grieving of loved ones, as well as for survival. The latter option doesn't seem too far-fetched, as Homo ancestor was a short-lived species that died out 936,000 years ago, only over 260,000 years after it had evolved. By 780,000 years ago, the conditions in Eurasia tilted in humanity's favor. Many of the great predatory mammals that roamed Europe and northern Asia, like the saber-toothed cat Megantyrion and the giant hyena Pachycrocuta, were dying out. In response, many of the large herbivorous mammals, rhinos, horses, deer, musk oxen, bison, had rebounded. It seems that the end of an interglacial period was capped by the beginning of a particularly devastating glacial period, which put such strong pressures on the faunas and floras of northern Eurasia. For example, prior to 780,000 years ago, Europe was home to populations of elephants, the southern mammoth, that browsed on bushes and trees among the temperate forests. But the sudden chill pushed them to adapt towards the reappearing steppes, and they adapted their teeth into grazing tools to feast on the abundant grasses. So they became the steppe mammoths, which, when some of these elephants moved further north into even colder regions, grew out their fur into thick, shaggy coats. This population became the first woolly mammoths, with characteristic curved tusks for brushing away snow from fields and for fighting rival males. As you can guess, all of these big herbivorous mammals were new prime resources, and humans soon took the opportunity to venture back into Europe and northern Asia to use them. Around 700,000 years ago, a lineage of humans populated Europe from Africa, no doubt using some of the land bridges that had opened up thanks to the drop in sea levels. In response to the cooler conditions, these humans developed into tall and robust peoples, with large heads housing large brains, powerful chests, strong arms, and thickened legs. And they were very successful in their population expansion, occupying most of Europe for a period of around 500,000 years, and using strong weapons to bring down many prey animals from horses to elephants. Conventionally, these humans have been given their own species name, Homo heidelbergensis. But there is a problem with that name. Prior to the 1980s, many fossils of humans had been found throughout Africa and Eurasia, 
seemingly intermediate between people like Homo erectus and people of our own species, Homo sapiens. It was a commonly accepted hypothesis that our species directly evolved from Homo erectus, and this made sense given what fossils were found. In an effort to establish a link between these two humans, the Afro-Eurasian fossils were simply labeled as Archaic Homo sapiens, and that was that. During the 1980s, attention was brought back to a particular skull that was described in 1908, which was given the name Homo heidelbergensis, after the German town of Heidelberg where the fossils were found nearby. That name was only applied to these remains. So, connections were drawn between those fossils and the many others that had been found across the old world. To keep the proposed connection between Homo erectus and Homo sapiens, as well as tying the origins of the Neanderthals, which I'll discuss later, all of those remains were renamed as Homo heidelbergensis. Therefore, late human evolution was supposed to go as follows. Homo erectus gives rise to Homo heidelbergensis, while the latter split into two lineages, that of Homo sapiens and that of the Neanderthals. The problem of labeling all these intermediary fossils under the same species name was that, upon closer inspection, the similarities were almost non-existent, with no clear characteristic to distinguish heidelbergensis from other humans, past and present. When the dates for the different fossils were compared with the earliest members of Homo sapiens and Neanderthals, there were inconsistencies that logically prevented Homo heidelbergensis from being directly ancestral to both those groups at once. Incidentally, more and more of the heidelbergensis fossils were found to share more similarities to Neanderthals than Homo sapiens. DNA studies could help clear things up, and preserved remains happened to be uncovered from a series of heidelbergensis fossils at the site of Semia de los Huesos in Atapuerca, Spain. When they were compared with our DNA, and that of the Neanderthals, again to be discussed later, it was revealed that those individuals were not on the lineage leading to Homo sapiens, but were in fact an early form of Neanderthal. So what was going on here? The best evidence we have tells us this. One lineage of humans, the one that left North Africa for Europe and populated that subcontinent full of big game, split from the main African groups around 700,000 years ago. Most of the fossils attributed to Homo heidelbergensis by some researchers today can, and certainly should, be reclassified as the earliest Neanderthals. DNA evidence tells us that Homo sapiens and the Neanderthals share a common ancestor that branched into two main lineages between 765,000 to 550,000 years ago, so this is a really good match between archaeological and genetic data. As the name for a particular species, Homo heidelbergensis should be abandoned as an invalid name. To continue this episode, please go to part 2.